Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hour number two of Fantasy Sports today is here. It is the most talked about movie right now on Netflix and in theaters. Joe and I will have our review of The Irishman. Spoiler alert. Also, we'll dive back into some fantasy football. FST Hour 2 starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today, hour number two of our show. If you're listening on demand and you don't like movies, hit the fast forward button. If you do, this segment is for you. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia, Sean Guastabaki producing this show. As always, we talk fantasy sports. We talk reality. We talk fantasy. Sometimes we talk a little movies as well. If you're listening live, cool. If you're listening on demand, whether it is on iTunes or the Google Play app or it is on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, please like and subscribe to our show. And this way we can... Uh, continue to give you the best content that there is out there every day, noon to two Eastern right here on fantasy sports today. All right. So uh, we had one of the actors, your buddy from the Irishman on, you'll have to tell me who he played uh, because I completely forgot, honestly, watching the movie. Uh, The Irishman is on Netflix. Now you can catch it. It's also in limited theaters as well. The movie was three hours and 30 minutes. And that's what people usually say about the movie. When you start talking about it, Oh my gosh, the movie was three hours and 30 minutes. So um, I will uh, give you my thoughts first on this, Joe, and you being more of the theater connoisseur uh, would love you to dive in. Although you and I don't see always the same, the same, uh, don't see it the same on some of these movies and TV shows, which is fine. That's what makes it fun. Um, I thought The Irishman was as good as a movie as I have ever seen on Netflix for two hours and 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that it was okay. as good as anything that I've seen. It was entertaining. It felt casino-ish. Uh, I loved the acting. I loved the story. I didn't know where it was headed. It was interesting. Uh, it was. It reminded me of Goodfellas. All the all the movies that have been done by Scorsese in the past. Like I, I it was right up the alley of of uh, like Casino. And then they waited thirty years to make another Casino movie. But this was kind of it. And. Um, my only beef, like I would give it nine out of ten, honestly, um, nine out of ten stars, four out of five stars. My only beef was why? What was the point of the last 25 minutes of the movie? I could have been very happy stopping uh, with Jimmy with the ending of Jimmy Hoffa and, and just ending it that, at that or even ending with the, them in prison and then him getting out, maybe hugging someone and just stopping the movie. But it just kept going on and on and on. And I'm just not sure why. Joe that was the only thing but I thought other than that it was a fantastic flick absolutely captivated me maybe the first 20 minutes a little slow too but that's all movies for almost three hours it was it was it went by fast I liked it yeah I like long movies I I the problem is you don't want it to feel I think the reason why people come out and say oh three and a half hours it's because it felt like three and a half hours and some movies don't feel that way sometimes you look up and you're like oh wow that was three hours long that was great 
Um, and it's all about the storytelling. I will say this. It did have much more of a casino kind of feel to it where, again, I like casino because the details, the minutia of the inner workings of the business mm-hmm. are fascinating. You know, it's almost like watching a documentary, but with really good acting. And this was a story with Jimmy Hoffa and everything where I did not really, you know, you know, legend stuff about it. You hear the things, you you know, all the funny stuff. Oh, he's buried in the Meadowlands. He's buried here. He's buried that because nobody ever found him. And you don't really know much about what the story was. So from that aspect, from the educational documentary standpoint, because I'm a huge documentary nerd, I really enjoyed that part of it. Where I feel like the story failed was it took so many little side journeys in some of the details with some of the characters like Sebastian Maniscalco's character with crazy Joe Gallo. And, you know, some of these little side off ramps where it started to stretch you thin about the through line of the movie and they're not good people. So it's very difficult to feel anything. Like I didn't feel anything for these characters in Goodfellas in a weird way you felt because you felt like this was a family. They took care of each other and then it all started to tear apart. Because you really you were enamored of them. They were charming. They were all these things. These guys didn't have a lot of that. It was much more like Casino. But even at the end of Casino, there was something you kind of felt for the conflict of these two friends where, you know, this just the, the strain of that business tore them apart. And you kind of feel you kind of feel that strain of that marriage with Sharon Stone where he loved her, but she could never really love him. And, you know, you kind of felt something there. I felt absolutely nothing. The phone call between uh, Robert De Niro's character and Hoffa's wife, who, by the way, do you recognize her from Goodfellas? She was the nanny. I knew it. I Leona? did. I did recognize did her. Did you yes. recognize her? I yes, I did. Together, I but... actually did. Yes, I did. Okay. I, 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 I didn't tell my wife that. I, I recognized Anna Paquin, too. Well, Anna um, Paquin was so, so bizarre. Anna Paquin's in that movie and all these scenes. She doesn't say anything. It's like I'm waiting for the meme of unhappy or or judgmental Anna Paquin face. Like that's going to be the next new meme that takes the internet by storm because she basically said nothing in the movie. And I'm like, why are they putting this big star in this movie? And I get it. Like they were trying to build in feelings and they were trying to build in relationships and stuff. But the problem is it was, it was pulled out. It was like, you, you took a, it was like, it took a piece of fruit roll up or something. You just pulled it so thin that eventually it just had no flavor anymore. And you didn't care. And I thought Pacino was a little cartoony as, as he's really become the performance reminded me a lot of a lesser version of the movie city hall that he was in. Do you ever see that? It's a really good little flick. No, him I didn't. And John, him and John Cusack, he plays the mayor of New York city. Who's going to run for governor and Cusack kind of, there's a scandal and Cusack ends up finding out a lot about what's gone on with Pacino and all the backs. That is one of the great understated films and one of the better about Pacino performances city hall, but it felt like a rehash of that character. And I felt, did you feel like the early stuff, like he's working on the car and he says to him, uh, hey, listen, kid, and you look at a De Niro and you know De Niro's 70 years old and I don't care what kind of facial software you're using to make him look less 70. He moves 70. He looks 70 to me. I did not buy him as a 30 something year old man or even whatever they thought he was at that time. That took me out of it. I wish they had used younger actors because they did that in Goodfellas. It didn't bother me. Like, could you use younger actors and then introduce them later on as the older versions? Like, yeah, you probably could have weird. Yeah. But that, that took me out of it too in the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, this is it why you're good, I would never watch it and, and you're able to. Yeah, no, that's the that is probably the best point of all, right there. That you I would never, I would never I go. Say, Ooh, the I Irishman's agree. on. But every time Casino's on or Goodfell, forget. Goodfell. I agree. Goodfellas is on. I'm stopping whatever I'm doing, wherever I'm watching it, and I'm probably going to watch the rest of it. It's like Tombstone. There's certain movies when they come on, you go, "Well, I'm not doing anything for the next hour and a half." Now, I don't feel that way about the Irishman. It's not a world I want to go back into, and I think that's a failure by Scorsese where he's become so self-indulgent over the last couple of years. So that he just, you know, he can't, it's very difficult to be edit yourself. And it's very difficult when you become a legend for other people to look around and say, 
hey, Marty, eh, you might want to cut this or, you don't, or do the director's cut. Like that's what director's cut for. You go out there and you sell the movie a million times and then you go, oh, it was an extra hour of the Irishman. Great. And then people can watch that if they want to. But to force it down their throats, a tough sell. And I thought The Departed was the biggest piece of trash I ever saw. I laughed at that entire movie. The original was so much better than Scorsese's remake. But Scorsese hasn't done a lot of good movies in the last decade. No, and I think that this one will uh, will be up there for me in terms of quality watching. But you're right. The rewatchability um definitely not going to be there but uh, you can catch it on netflix uh, by the way what role did your buddy play on this one? Oh, he was one of the, remember the the scene again it's hard because i have to like jog your memory to like describe because it, it was so long right? okay yeah Do you remember the when they're um there's that famous scene where albert anastasia the uh, famous mobster gets shot in the barber chair he's one yeah. of the hitmen that's going he's one of the hitmen that kills him so, gotcha i mean okay. there's so many hits and there's so many things <laughs> i know there's a million it's of like and, and it would have been a better like had it been a series if they had gone six hours with it Maybe that would have been better because it's more digestible or they could have gone in different routes. But I think they really did a disservice by not casting younger actors for the first 20 half hour of the movie. And they really did a disservice because at the end of the day, you can make horrible people somehow sympathetic in certain ways. They just kind of failed to do it there. And they tried to do it with the daughter and they tried to do it with the loneliness at the end. They tried to do it with all these other things. And it just kind of it fell short because they just by the time you got there, you're like, I don't really care anymore. We'll take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. Coming up next, making some decisions for the fantasy football playoffs. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing a book because they make me feel good. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you following the Monday Night Football. Exciting game, by the way. Uh, yesterday, as Dalvin Cook says, he is ready to play. He's going to play in week 14, but you got to make some fantasy decisions. And we're going to go over some names of players that could potentially be on your fantasy football team this week. And you have to make those decisions for the playoffs or even better yet, which players among these will have better fantasy football playoff weeks coming up. And we've got some of those matchups as well. So, um, Joe, first of all, uh, how big are you at this stage of the game in matchups versus playing your studs? Is this something that is a huge factor for you? I know that you play in a number of leagues, a few that you're in. You mentioned that you made it. Um, me, it looks like I'm only going to be in one. There's a huge fight in one of my uh, home leagues. They're actually fighting for me, saying that I should be in. Oh, uh, that's good friends. Yeah, because uh, of total points, I you know they're fighting for me, but I don't think I got in. Four teams ended up finishing seven and six. And our tiebreaker to put one of the teams in is points, but the other one would be head-to-head because we only put one team in based on points, which is a huge mistake. We're going to have to change that around. Well, so the tiebreaker should always be total points. They should never be head-to-head records against anybody because that's so random. What if you what if you had five guys on a bye that week? That's the stupidest tiebreaker ever. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so I'm out, I think. With Lamar Jackson, I am out. That sucks. Uh, but sad. yeah, so let's, uh, you know, so first of all, before we go any further, what's your theory on that for the playoffs? Well, look, uh, player, player studs, play the matchups. What do you you play your studs that got you there now that I'm always willing to go down with the ship in that sense, because I feel like you can't possibly 
sit there and with a guy on your bench that's gotten you there all year that you feel really good about. And then you say, well, I'm going to sit him because, you know, that corner is really good. Like, you know, outside of Stefan Gilmore, there's nobody I'm considering. And even then, I'm not going to necessarily sit him. I mean, even Hopkins had some moments in that game against the Texans. I don't think there's any way you take out your best player or two, no matter what the matchup is, period. I think that's the biggest mistake people make is overmanaging. I will, however, pay very close attention to recent trends when I'm looking at flex spots. The Darius Geis game last week comes to mind on Sunday, watching him run the football. Miles Sanders a little bit, depending on the Jordan Howard situation. There's guys right now that are starting to play their best football. Devin Singletary, another one that comes to mind. James Washington. They're playing their best football now. They're getting more involved in the offense now. And sometimes it just takes guys longer. And sometimes it takes injuries or other scenarios to open up more playing time for them. And I think that you pay attention to in your flex. Those are the decisions that make or break you. It's not, oh my God, do I play DeAndre Hopkins? Of course you do, you idiot. Of course you do. That's why you took him one overall. That's probably why you're in there anyway, because he was a guy that every week was getting you points. So to me, you never sit your studs no matter what the matchup is. I don't care. You go all out. It gets trickier in single quarterback leagues if you have two good quarterbacks you like. You know, if you took Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, you look at it and go, wow, I guess I'm going to start Lamar Jackson. You know, you probably will, or you took, you know, Josh Allen, Doc, Dak Prescott, or somebody like that. And it that becomes trickier in the single QB leagues. But other than that, man, you play your studs. That's why you're there in the first place. All right. So let's kind of go through this here a little bit, Joe. And I'm going to start off with uh, two wide receivers. And um, let's start off. With, <laughs> yeah. Let's start off with Godwin or Evans in the fantasy playoffs. What do you got? You know, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, my my best my best analysis of these two guys is if you're looking at first of all, you're never taking either of these guys up. But if I'd want to have one in my lineup for sure, it would be Godwin. And the reason is I feel like there's a higher floor every week for Godwin. And sometimes that's what you need. Uh, Evans is the guy that I would prefer if my lineup was a little underwhelming because he can make up for it. But when Evans goes bad, he's a he's like a single digit player. When Godwin goes bad, he's still a double digit player. And I think that's the difference between those two. Uh, I feel like Godwin, you look at the matchups for these guys, too. They should all pretty good there. They got the Lions. Uh, they've got uh, the Colts this week, the Lions next week. And then following that in week 16, which should be your fantasy championship. I have to look and see who they have here. But it's to me, Godwin has a higher floor there at home against the Texans that last week. So give me Godwin. Uh, certainly, you're never taking either of these guys out, but I would take Godwin. Who would you take, Craig? I would take Godwin as well. I agree with you, especially in the PPR format. It does seem like give me the floor. You know, it seems like, yeah, I, I think this time of the year with weather and that's going to be a factor for sure. It is every year. I mean, you saw the game last week with Green Bay. Um, yeah, you. I, I, I don't I think in well, the championship no between the Texans, the Lions. And the yeah, Colts, no, this but, one doesn't factor. Yeah. I think we you get to the championship. You, you stop that floor conversation and you're playing like, oh, my gosh, like I have a chance to win the league. I got to go all in. But you're in the first round of the playoffs. Like, get your points. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, win, week, yeah. win one week at a time. Week at a time. That's yeah. all. I, I, when I get to the end, I am I am pulling out all the stops to win. But in that first round, especially if I'm in one of the higher seeds, I'm not taking huge risks there. Um, okay, running back, uh, Carson uh, for Seattle, Jacobs for Oakland. This is a very tough one, I think, because Carson for sure is more of, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe you don't agree with this. Carson, to me, seems more apt to score touchdowns 
Jacobs has a little bit of a higher ceiling and he does have that consistency in terms of yards. But if if and the reason why I put this in there is because of last night, I think this would have been a no brainer going into the game last night. You would have said, oh, Carson's going to split with Penny. You know? But meanwhile, look what happened there. Carson scored. He got the ball heavily in the fourth. So uh, and, and Jacobs, by the way, Raiders are falling apart a little bit. So I don't know. Um, who would you rather have here for the playoffs? I would rather have Carson give me the touchdown upside. This Raiders team hasn't scored a touchdown in the last two games. So uh, that's that's not a good look for for an offense. So at the end of the day, as good as Jacobs is, and he is great. I mean, nobody's bigger fan of me of him than I am. So I think you take Carson, you take the better offense, you take the touchdown upside. And I think the script is actually pretty good because if their script going forward for Seattle game plan of offense is get these guys involved, both of them in the first quarter of the game get them early and often and then you transition a little bit with penny in the passing game and then if you have a lead you sit on it with chris carson in the fourth quarter man i like that for both those guys i think both those guys can eat penny becomes a flex and i think carson's a really strong rb2 if not higher so give me carson i'm also worried too as we start to get towards the end of the season if they back off jacobs a little bit because of workload because they're not going anywhere and that's a concern for me that's a real concern yeah, that's that's true. Week 17, what will he look like there? He's had that shoulder issue all year. Um, okay, at tight end, George Kittle, when George Kittle is on, is the number one tight end in fantasy. <laughs> he is so number one. And when he's off, he's not in the top 12. Zach Ertz, on the other hand, is usually a five for 50. So here you go. Boom or bust for the next three weeks. You got to pick one. Who would you rather have? Man, this is frustrating because Kittle's health has been his undoing this year more than anything. It's just been the health. It's not not his play. It's his health. This guy, and, this guy's gonna win a league at some point for someone. Yeah, and you know, speaking of health, Ertz is not hundred percent either right now. I feel like Kittle's healthier than Ertz right now. If I had to, if you ask me who's healthier, I think it's Kittle. I think Kittle's the better entity. I'm gonna go with Kittle because you look. I feel like it's a trap, Craig. When you look at what they have left in Philly. You know, you see teams like, oh, they're playing Washington. They're going to, you know, they, they got that big game against the the Cowboys coming up. I feel like you're like, oh, it's a, it's, it's a better situation in terms of schedule for for Zach Ertz. But you know what? I don't know if it is anymore. I feel like the Eagles are just kind of just going in a downward spiral and it's getting ever quicker. Give me the 49ers who have a lot to play for, who are going to be super aggressive here. Not that the Eagles don't, but the 49ers – you know, are really jockeying for a position right now. I will take Kittle. I will take the upside and I'll take my chances there. And even though he hasn't as many touchdowns, you know, potentially as you wanted, I know Zach Ertz is always at a high PPR floor. I'm going to take my chances with Kittle because I do believe he's healthier right now. And look, Goddard's played well too when Ertz hasn't been on the field or even on the field together at the same time. And that's something too where that's not the case. Kittle's still the focal point, number one weapon in that passing game. And I'll take that over a healthy Elshon Jeffrey back last week, having a good game and a not healthy Ertz. All right. And tomorrow what we'll do is we'll dive into some more of these matchups potentially uh, for the fantasy playoffs. And we'll go over with them with you here on fantasy sports today, but coming up next, we will dive back into some baseball conversation and from a fantasy perspective, where some potential free agents may land and how that will affect their fantasy value. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today right here on FNTSY Radio. And Joe and I are here every day, noon to 2 Eastern. Don't forget, next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I will be at the winter meetings in San Diego. So if anything happens from a reality or fantasy perspective, we'll bring it to you then. We'll also cover, of course, fantasy football next week as well as, uh, you know, unfortunately, the fantasy football season for a lot of people have come to an end. I know there are probably, I would say, at least half of the fantasy football community are out of their leagues, which 
leaves still a big pool of players playing, but a lot of you are gone. So we will dive into some other topics, some uh, basketball, some baseball as we move on and kind of close things out at the end of the year. College Bowls as well. NFL Draft discussion, too. We'll be back with more on Fantasy Sports today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. This is Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. And who would have thought the hot stove on Monday, December 2nd would have been so hot? Not only did you have players getting non-tendered, but you had a trade in baseball. Marlins get Jonathan VR. You had the Reds signing Mike Moustakis. Blake Trinan, who two years ago was the best closer in baseball, is going to have a new home. And a lot of new homes on deck here for uh, for other teams. It looks like Garrett Cole's visiting at least with the Yankees, which is a good sign for him, Joe. He's a top free agent out there. But the thought process has been at least that, uh, you know, it could be false, honestly, that Cole is going to sign somewhere on the West Coast. That's what we kept hearing, somewhere on the West Coast. And the Yankees certainly could throw a lot of money at him, and he could completely change his mind. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, I don't think it gets any better than where it was in Houston for uh, look now all this other stuff has come out about the banging of the drums and all that stuff and i get that but garrett cole's a monster he's had two monster seasons could have won a cy young in both of them but he also played on a very dynamic offense a high-end defense and so i'm guessing that regardless of where he goes even if he goes from the best pitcher in baseball joe he goes from the best to like the second best you know like there's gonna be a little bit of a drop-off i think there has to be and wins is not something you can necessarily quantify, but you were playing on Houston. You can quantify some wins. They win a lot of games. So uh, for Garrett Cole, let's kind of you know figure out a landing spot for him and what that does for him in fantasy. Well, you know, it doesn't get much better than the last two years, especially last year of Garrett Cole. So it's hard to find a better landing space, like you said, and the Astros are a great spot. Now you could say, okay, well, the Astros are going to start to hit that plateau where they how who can they afford and how can they afford them? And if they sign Garrett Cole... How does that affect everybody else in this system of who you can keep? And then you have lesser players around him. So the only thing I can think of outside the Yankees, which would be nice. Anaheim is actually not where I want him as a fantasy owner. To tell you the truth, I prefer not to have him there. I think that team has a ton of questions. The bullpen has a ton of questions. I would love to see him in Atlanta because I feel like that's a team that I can almost see becoming the new Astros. They have a ton of young players, ton of really good defensive players between Albies and Acuna and Freddie Freeman, a really good defensive team. And then you put him in the national league. I mean, talk about maintaining a high strikeout rate. I would love to see him there. I think that would be a fantastic spot. Now they probably don't have that kind of money to pay him over a huge amount of time. But if I can dream and put him somewhere from a fantasy perspective, man, Atlanta would be almost the national league equivalent for me of Houston with a spot where those guys are still younger than the guys in Houston and the National League with no DH, mm, that seems like a perfect place for me. I think that Garrett Cole is going to end up on the Phillies. That's now that's, that's my interesting. Prediction. Yeah, I, I I think, and and yeah, there I yeah, that that may have a little insight. I may have a little insight there, uh, but I, that's what I believe. Yeah, that's now, two big checks two years in a row. They're writing for Harper than Cole. Wow, 
you're in if you're in you're in man like like what do you do now you take a step back and i and i think a pretty good indication of that is the move they made yesterday they basically look michael franco come on well that was coming anyway they didn't need cesar hernandez (laughs) let go cesar hernandez too well, but I mean, you got Kingery who floats around. You can you can patch oh, that infield Hernandez, together. Nice player, man. That's the kind of player they want to sign. I don't I don't, I don't get that one. But look, um, Philly's all in. They spent a ton of money. They have this short window now. They completely whiffed on Arietta. Nothing you could do. It's done. You know, Arietta is who he is. I mean, I don't even know. Is he a fourth starter anymore? I mean, no. it's amazing the drop off that he had last year. Nope. Um, He's DTM no- man. Joe, they're so bereft of pitching, man. Oh, like, I know. Well, Nola's good. Let's not let's just say Aaron Nola's not good. That's he's... it. That's it. There's I understand, no... but you know what? That's more than that's more than Detroit has. That's more than Kansas City has. You, no, you, I mean, are you trying to compare the? the no, I'm. I'm not. But at least they have a guy at the top competing for the playoffs and make that comparison. At least, come on. I understand, but at least they have somebody at the top of their rotation. And Nola is a very good pitcher. I know he struggled a little bit in April, May, but after that, he got pretty good. So I mean, the, the teams in their own division have better pitchers at the top of their 100%. rotation. You know, so I, I just, again, could be the Angels. That's a possibility, too. I think the Angels are going to make a push also. But I think he ends up in Philadelphia. I think they offer the most money, wow. and I think that he takes it. Do you they like that to- from a fantasy perspective, though? Not as much, clearly. Um, he'll get I mean, a little it's a big home run ball park, but it's not as big from the NL. He'll get a boost from the NL. But I'll take the boost from the NL anywhere I can get it. I think if he goes to Philadelphia, it's people don't realize it's not as much of an offensive park as is a home run park, which is kind of funny when you think about it. But statistically speaking, the numbers bear that out. Mm-hmm. So you could you could say, well, it's a little bit of style of play of the team too over the last couple of years, but. Oh man, like I just want him in the National League long term. If I'm a fantasy owner, I want to get him out of the AL as soon as possible. Now, granted, I still think we're going to see the DH pretty soon here in both leagues. I think that's coming <laughs> very soon, but that that's my number one spot there. All right, uh, Rendon is the next best option on the free agent market. Some people feel like he's the best option, especially if you need something on offense. He's already met with the Dodgers. We know that. Uh, until I see the Dodgers sign a high price free agent, Joe, I'm not going to believe it because they literally are in on everyone and sign no one. That's pretty much the way that they do things. They just move the money around. They don't ever sign anyone. Uh, how he doesn't end up back with Washington, I'll have no idea. The Nationals really have no other option. I don't see a ton of backup options out there as well. It would be nice for them to defend this title by bringing him back, but they're clearly not going to be able to do this with Rendon and Strasburg. That's going to be too much. That's 450 or 500 million. We know that that's not possible for a team like the Nationals. So um, I guess we could just put Rendon and Strasburg in the same discussion here, and you can throw your teams out there if you want. Uh, Strasburg is another guy, too. I feel like if they lose out on the Garrett Cole thing, I think Strasburg would actually be a good Yankee. I, I know I know it sounds weird, but there's something about uh, this guy's always been kind of the high trough guy. And then he finally put together that kind of season. And then at that time, a postseason, too, which is huge. And I feel like he's now ready for that stage as the, you know, as a guy on the Yankees. And I, I feel like that's the spot for me for him. And I would like to see Rendon conversely back with Washington, too. I think that is a, is a great landing spot for him. I don't want to see him go to the Dodgers. I want to see him back there from a fantasy perspective where he's played his whole career. He's got some great line of protection now with, you know, Soto there and Robles really coming uh, into his own. There's a lot of good players still there. Zimmerman's contract is coming to an end, too. So that's some more money that's free. But, yeah, I, I w- if I'm the Nationals, I make the investment 
as crazy as it seems, I'll make the investment in Rendon over Strasburg. I've seen enough Strasburg over the years, missed starts, missed time, missed significant chunks of seasons. And give me the guy who's playing every day and I'll go spend money on pitching somewhere else or I'll figure out a way to make it work. Well, they are in a good spot. They already have uh, Scherzer. They have Corbin and right. they have do a really good job uh, cultivating the international market and finding players. Where do you so, want to see those two guys go? You want to see Rendon back with Washington, too? I, I believe Rendon will be back with Washington and I believe Strasburg will be a Texas Ranger. That's what I believe. Will oh, happen. yeah. You're re- you're really into this whole Rangers yes. all in thing, aren't you? Not all in, but a new ballpark opening day. Steven Strasburg gets the start. I could see that. Where's Strasburg from? I forget. Is he a California boy? California. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I thought. I, I think Texas has to step up a little bit here. I, I don't I don't think that they can move into this new ballpark and be a horrible team. I'm not saying that they have to win 90 games, Joe, but this could not be a 100 loss team in 2020. It cannot be. You, you can't do that to your fan base. I've seen this happen before in Miami and I've seen it in other places, too. Uh, the the city and the state and the team, they make an investment and they get a ballpark. You got to show face there. So that will be my prediction. I'll, I'll yeah. say that they'll invest in that. And can you name a Texas Ranger starter? Uh, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, Elvis Andrews, Joey Gallo. Oh, I mean, oh, oh, a starting pitcher. I'm sorry. Um, well, Mike Miner and Lance Lynn had very good years last year. Right. And so those two guys being the two and the three with Strasburg being sure. the one puts them in a position to compete for that division. I so, don't disagree with that. I think it absolutely does. I think that's the key. And I think they have enough offensively, and I think they can piece it together. But you cannot piece that pitching staff together. And and Miner, and Miner, by the way, uh, out of nowhere, did what he did. So let's, let's repeatable is not the word I would use for that. We'll just have to see Lance Lynn, I think, could still throw 200 innings and do exactly what he did. That's not good enough to get you close to the postseason, though. They need one big guy, and I think Strasburg could be it. And if not, then hey, um, you know, they're Donaldson landing spot too, right? If memory serves, um, I don't think they'll end up with both, but yeah, I think that that I I mean, I would think that Donaldson would go back to Atlanta, but yeah, I think that that's a a possibility too. Um, Zach Wheeler, uh, who had a great year last year with the Mets, and um, I don't know for this one, too. The Wheeler could be the backup option to whoever doesn't get uh, Cole and then whoever doesn't get Strasburg. Wheeler's kind of like the third guy. Yeah. So maybe if Philadelphia doesn't get um, Cole, maybe they sign him. Um, you know, what about obviously- the Cardinals? Are they have the kind of money to go in there? No. Mm-hmm. No. And they got they got young pitching anyway there, too. Well, uh, they have one. They have Flaherty. I haven't seen the rest of it, really impress oh, you much Hudson is still there and Dakota Hudson had a good year but you and I both agree that Dakota Hudson's stat wise or you know, that's a tenuous road he's walking yeah, yeah I feel like the Angels end up with Wheeler under contract they have wing right under contract I, I don't know I feel like, like they have to see him with the Angels if you if I feel like if they don't get Cole I think Wheeler's a good fit there because that I think allows them to spread some money some other places because that's a team that still has a lot of that's a stars and scrubs kind of team when you think about it, the Angels. Yeah, I, I think that we're probably missing the Brewers here, ending up with a couple of these guys. I can't imagine that, that Milwaukee loses all the players that they just lost and does nothing. So Wheeler, to me, for to Milwaukee, finally gives them the guy at the front of the rotation. And this is with no information and just a guess. But I would guess the Milwaukee there. You know, I, I would say that there's I would say opening day, they end up with either Keuchel or him, just some decent starting pitching. I mean, what about Ryu there? A guy who kind of keeps the ball down, you know, not a big home run guy. He would be an de- interesting fit with the Brewers if they missed out on a lot of guys. 
Yeah, I hope that they make more of a commitment to uh, to some starting pitcher. All right, uh, but those are just some of the names. We'll continue to do this as we go along here, and as we mentioned, the winter means is coming up soon too. We'll uh, dive more back into that as well. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today right here on FNTSY. Coming up next, we'll go over some of the unsung heroes in fantasy football in 2019. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. All right, welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. And guess who's coming up next? 2 o'clock Eastern. Dr. Roto with full-time fantasy. He's got you from 2 to 3. Sean Glostamaki, our producer, is at the betting window over on Sports Grid TV live at 4 o'clock Eastern. Check him out over on Zumo TV, Pluto TV, YouTube, and wherever you watch your video. Make sure you catch his show as well. And, uh, Joe, this weekend, it's fantasy football playoff time. How, how long are they rolling out the... Uh, the sports grid fantasy shows and dfs shows are they doing oh, that to the, the best week? of my knowledge we're going all the way through week 17 so uh, that's what all i've right. been told i show up where they tell me so we'll be there Very for cool. uh, every sunday in december helping you set those lineups because some people do play those fantasy championship games in sure. week 17 which is stupid but there's still a lot of dfs in fact that's usually the highest scoring weekend of dfs because everybody on defense has realized the season's over there's no reason for me to try to tackle anybody anymore so uh, with the regular season of fantasy coming to an end, which is usually after week 13, let's take a look at some of the unsung heroes of the 2019 fantasy football season, Joe. Let's start off with quarterback. Who do you got? Well, here's the thing. I tried to assemble a team of these, like the Avengers of the guys that really, I don't want to say nobody wanted, but some people weren't necessarily pushing people out of the way for at the very least. So I got the two quarterbacks and then the rest of a regular roster here as if it were a super flex. But I'm going to start with Kirk Cousins as the QB one that nobody seemed to want. He was QB 18 on the board. His ADP was 141. And Kirk Cousins right now has 23 touchdowns, four picks and 3000 yards. And that is a pretty, pretty good stat line for a guy that was a free quarterback. When you're looking back on this and where he is right now, I mean, this is a guy in the you know top 10 of almost every quarterback category. So Kirk Cousins has been absolutely outstanding, and I would say uh, underappreciated so far, especially after the awful beginning to the season he had in September. Yeah, he's really come on, and I think that getting Thielen back will certainly help. I still I'm very nervous going into next week with Diggs, Joe. That's that's one of the the decisions that I'm going to have to make. I know in the end he's going to grade out as a wide receiver too. I, I know it's going to happen. You've you've given me those numbers, but I certainly do not feel a hundred percent comfortable starting him next week. I just don't know what other, what other choice I will have. Um, yeah, Kirk Cousins. I mean, what what can you say? I mean, yeah, he's, Diggs is a better best ball guy because at the end of the year the stats will be there. But I feel like you know that week to week of the he's going to have a stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's going to have yeah. a yeah. QB two, Josh Allen. 
He's had 2,500 passing yards, 16 passing touchdowns, but he's also got 430 rushing yards and eight. Mark that down, eight rushing touchdowns. His ADP was 175. He was quarterback 22. So basically, another guy in a super flex league who was a, a you know an easy take him whenever you want QB two, and he's had basically a QB one kind of season when you consider all the rushing touchdowns, eight. So that's 24 total touchdowns, eight of which are rushing. That was a fantastic season from Josh Allen, who, again, I have dubbed the new Cam Newton, and I'm very excited about him next year, too. I think when you let people overpay for the Lamar Jacksons and Mahomes of the world, this kid's going to be sitting there next year in round eight, and you can pick him up and feel pretty good weekly what you're going to get out of him from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, and I and I think that uh, them flexing out that game, Buffalo-Pittsburgh coming up in a couple of weeks is going to be really cool to see the Bills play on Sunday Night Football. They Very deserve cool. it had a really good year. One of the few teams in the NFL that have, think about this, uh, you know, the NFL sets their season win totals at the beginning of the year. You know, you can bet on it, the over-under. Buffalo's one of the few teams that are over already. Well, what was there, six and a half? It was seven. Seven. It was, it was seven. But think about that. Like, yeah. What team, like, you have a lot of teams that could go over-under. You have a lot of teams that you know right now are going under. But how many have already hit the over? Not many. No. <laughs> in, in the season. Not very many. San Francisco has done it. So, um, yeah, it, a really good season for Buffalo for sure. And you're right. Those rushing touchdowns are impossible to ignore. My only wonder, at least for next year, is what kind of schedule the Bills end up having because their schedule is Well, you know, they're but still you know going to play the Jets twice and they're still going to play. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. All right. Uh, yeah, right and I would, I would throw uh, Tannehill in this conversation. Even oh, absolutely. But you know what? I, I have to throw him in. I was trying to do it based on ADP, and he was not a drafted player, pretty no. much. Like Unless you're in Superflex, he was your third no, quarterback. It's true. So he, and when we do the waiver wire ones, he's he's probably going to be number one quarterback. I can't imagine him not being the best waiver wire yeah. quarterback. Uh, running backs to me uh, were Mark Ingram, who is your basic standard running back that you want. 837 yards on the ground, nine touchdowns. He's also caught 20 balls for 172. So he's basically already had 1,000 all-purpose yards. He's got three receiving touchdowns, 12 total touchdowns. His ADP was 45. He was running back 23. So basically, he was uh, not an RB2 even drafted. Like He was right on that fringe there. And my RB2 here is Austin Eckler, kind of the inverse of Mark Ingram. He's your PPR guy. Just 380 yards on the ground and three touchdowns for Eckler, but... 69 catches, Craig Mission PPR for 718 yards, seven touchdowns. He was ADP 64, RB 28, according to Fantasy Pros, heading into the season on September 1st. So Eckler and Ingram, my goodness, talk about value return in standard and PPR. It doesn't get much better than those guys. Yeah, and even with Melvin Gordon back, it hasn't made a difference for Eckler. Nope. He's, he's still been really good. And, um, and look, he's... It reminds me a little bit of James White. You just know at the end of the year, yes. and 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 I'm not sure about Eckler next year. I don't know if I'll be in on him. I'll have to see what they end up doing. If they do nothing, of course, but if they bring in another running back and it's not Gordon, um, I, I think they're going to completely redo that team with the Chargers next year. So I got to see the new coordinator, or probably a new quarterback. It, it could be a lot of changes there, but for this year, absolutely, and there's no doubt. Uh, wide receiver, Joe, um, really over the last few weeks, DJ Moore has come on and I thought we were headed down this path again in 2019 where we were going to look at DJ Moore and say, oh, bust. And after a couple of weeks, it looked that way. But he's been a wide receiver one since what, like week four, week five? Yeah, pretty much. It's cold September and then basically just has absolutely caught fire. And then the knock on has been he hasn't gotten touchdowns. Well, 
Last three weeks, he has three touchdowns. Last two weeks, he has three touchdowns. So that's pretty good. Uh, DJ Moore on the year is standing at 74 catches, 980 yards for four touchdowns. His ADP was 59th overall, and his wide receiver ranking was 25th. So this was a guy that was drafted as a wide receiver three, and he's having a fringe wide receiver one season. That is spectacular value. That's something you absolutely just you want. Now, of course, you'd like to see more touchdowns, of course. But at the same time, you're very happy with the consistency in the floor and what Kyle Allen's been able to do because a lot of people were terrified. Oh, no, no Cam Newton. Well, guess what? Cam Newton didn't really use DJ Moore much last year, not nearly enough. This year, Kyle Allen has, and it's made all the difference. And wide receiver two here was Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, everybody wanted Odell. Nobody wanted Jarvis Landry. Oh, so much Odell. Nobody wanted Jarvis Landry. You know what? Landry's got 65 catches for 919 yards and five touchdowns. His ADP was 68. He was wide receiver 28 overall. Man, I think Jarvis Landry, especially in the stretch run here in the second half of the season, has been a guy that is basically winning you weeks. He has been so good, Craig. Yep, he has. PPR has been a monster. He'll continue to be. I don't even see Beckham giving a bleep. Um, yeah, better season great. than Odell's had. I think we can all agree on that. It's not close. <laughs> and uh, you, you dared to find someone at tight end here, huh? Uh, well, look, I got one more wide receiver. I got Cortland Sutton. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so Cortland Sutton, you, another you guy. You know, you like him. You have him. You've talked about I him. I want everybody else to like him as much as I do. So we're, we're, you've been loud and clear on Cortland Sutton. Take this Sutton. flyer. Maybe take this point. pin. I want to continue. I'm going to, I'm going to, here, oh, I want you yeah. to take this bat because I got a horse here the that's dead. Over, be talking about I'd, I'd like you to help me beat it because I need some glue. So let's get Cortland Sutton. How good has he been? 54 catches for 906 with six touchdowns. He was ADP 103 wide receiver. Get this 43 on the board. And he's done it with Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, and now Drew Locke. I mean, come on. Let's give this key deserves the love. And the tight end, you're right. It was kind of hard. I was kind of struggling with this. But despite the injury, I'm still going to go with Austin Hooper here because Austin Hooper was tight end 11 on fantasy pros. He was ADP was 105. He was a free tight end. And let me tell you, this free tight end, even though he's missed a couple weeks here, this free tight end is still in the top five in every tight end category. He's got 56 catches on the year, 608, six touchdowns. And last year he proved that this is not a fluke. Led you saw in 2018, not a fluke. 2019, he's a huge part of this offense going forward. And I'm sure he's going to be drafted in the top five of tight ends next year. Would you rather have Austin Hooper or Evan Ingram next year? Uh, probably go back to Ingram, although I will say that another guy that is going to be on my radar next year is this guy Hollister on Seattle. Man, he's played well. He just he just keeps throwing to him over and over and over again. Like, I mean, it's amazing. So um, and and again, he doesn't fall into the category of where Hooper is having a great year, but uh, I'm already starting to kind of take a look at that next year. And I've never been a draft a tight end high guy even though it does give you a pretty big advantage if it works out for you every year. But I, I think I'm going conservative. I don't know. I think that, I think there's a lot to choose from now at tight end. You still got those Kittle, Ertz, Kelsey group. You got Andrews in there. You got Hooper, hopefully Ingram on a bounce back. We'll see if Jared Cook finishes well. He's had a really oh, good stop. run here. Not taking I'm Jared just trying to think guys off the top of my head. Darren Waller, that's yes, eight. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So there's eight guys right off the top of my head. I'm yeah, sure I'm forgetting somebody. Hollister is another guy. I think you continue to wait. Personally, I will take Hooper over How about Fells. He's had an unbelievable year. Fells has caught a lot of touchdowns, but he's not a big volume guy. So you just you run that risk. I'm just saying right. it's right. not without risk. Oh, yeah. But, but in terms of tight end outlook from 2019 no to 2020, Noah Fance come on very well too. Yeah. 
year over year, you've seen a, a, oh my God, it's the three guys and nothing else to all. And and that's why you shouldn't overreact too much to that, because I feel like this happens whether no matter what the sport is, Craig, if it's baseball, it's football. You can go, oh man, second base sucks this year. And then all of a sudden all these second basemen emerge and it's brilliant. Uh, and same thing like tight end, ah, tight end sucks this year. And then all of a sudden these guys emerge like Andrews and, and Hollister and Waller and they're brilliant. So tight end is going to be an embarrassment of riches. Nobody should reach on a tight end in the first three rounds of a draft. I don't care if it's Kittle. I don't care if it's Kelsey. I would not do it. I would not touch a tight end in the first three rounds. It doesn't look to be wise for next year, but we're still eight months away from that. Can't believe yeah. this fantasy football season. Uh, it's coming to an end. And we got a defense left. You like defense? Oh, yeah, defense. Real quick, go ahead. I don't know if you like D. De- I know you know you don't like IDP, so um, I wasn't going to go there. But I will do defense. So Buffalo was defense thirteen, which means they were probably undrafted in most leagues. Uh-huh. ADP one sixty one, and I mean, let's be honest. In terms of fancy defense, they've been pretty good this year. <laughs> it's all yeah. about that secondary. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's all matchups. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a streamer when it comes to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, New England actually was in consideration for this, too, because they were actually sixth. Yeah. But the fact that they've put up so many damn fantasy points is just unbelievable. But I didn't think that was I thought that was kind of annoying. I didn't want to do that. All right. So here's my winning roster in the uh, oh, NFL, yes. in the NFL Royals 2019 league. So you can imagine who's in this. All the Royals. I think Mustak is in this league. I'll check. Um, here is my lineup. Uh, the winning lineup. Most points in the league. Dak Prescott. Deshaun Watson, Brian Hill, <laughs> did, forgot to take him out. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, Miles Sanders, wow. DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup, Curtis Samuel, Vance McDonald, <laughs> forgot to take him out too, Josh Lambeau, and Buffalo D. That's what won it. <laughs> Among 88 people, Joe. That was so what was this? Like, this wasn't a DFS thing, was it? What was this? It's a weekly DFS league. Oh, yeah. it is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that it was a Superflex one. Okay. Contract. Yeah. Oh, the okay. I got you. I know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, look at you. See, all you need to do is hit with those quarterbacks. And I won my two points. <laughs> and, and look, you know, really, it was a handicap there. You had two goose eggs. So you know. that that's just so sad how I don't pay attention. Who, to this. Who's number two? Can you say his name? Because that uh, guy's pissed right now. <laughs> you know what? They don't list the names of the people here. Yeah. Oh, so you click on the team. It doesn't say who the owner is. Oh, no, mm. well, that's a bummer. But whoever number two is, they're pissed off. I can tell you right now, they're pissed. They definitely <laughs> two are. Points. Especially yeah. with me. Oh, my gosh. This guy started Brian Hill. Terrible. All right. Uh, coming up next, it's time for a little two-minute drill. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Dr. Roto and full-time fantasy less than five minutes away. We'll end the show with a little rant from Joe Pizzapia. Here is the two-minute drill. The two-minute warning. 
Two minutes, get your sh** together. Is that gonna be enough time? Last week, we were talking a little bit about the NFL Hall of Fame. And one of the names on that list, again, is Steve Tasker, who played for the Buffalo Bills. And he was a special teams player, but he was also a very special one. Steve Tasker was a guy that might not have played every down because he didn't play on offense or defense very much. But this was a guy that impacted more games with special teams than anyone I can ever remember. Maybe Matthew Slater of the New England Patriots is a close second. But just because you're not on the field for every play does not mean you're not impacting that. And I believe... When you have a transcendent kicker, a transcendent special teams player, you should take notice of that. And Steve Tasker, if you go back and watch those games, he made more impact than many guys who played every single down. So Steve Tasker has my vote for the Hall of Fame at some point over the next few years. And there you have it. That's how we'll end the show. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to the last segment, um, there is one team. I think I know who the player is in this league, uh, Joe. He's in 86th place out of 86, and his team name is L-O-C-A-I-N. I have a feeling. I know who that is. Do you? L O C I A N. Say it again. L O. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could be Lorenzo Cain and last. All right, that'll uh, do it. For the well, Coming up next, it Mike Napoli right above him. Coming up next in full time fantasy, uh, Doctor Rota standing by for my co host Joe Pizzapia, our producer today, Sean Glastamakia. I'm Craig Mish. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. Soon. 